0: Here we are. We have not done this in a long, long time, but special treat for episode 27. We're back live in our amazing Facebook group. A lot has changed in our business since we've been live in Facebook, including the change of our Facebook group name to make money and meaning, <laughs> which is also in support of our new business name. Uh, for those of you who have not gleaned on to that information, we are now the Embodied Business Institute, uh, complete with renewed Instagram presence and new website. So look for the EmbodiedBusinessInstitute.com and see what we've been up to. But what we're really excited about is we have a couple of amazing opportunities for people to jump in with us. And today we wanted to talk about the three huge missed opportunities that people miss out on when they ignore the power of curriculum design. And the reason we're talking about this today is because I think a lot of times when you hear the term curriculum design and you are not directly identifying as a teacher or an educator, you think, that's not for me. Uh, Even, I think, in some cases, you are aware that being in the online space is supportive, potentially lucrative. Still, I think, there is a misunderstanding and therefore missed opportunities around how you can leverage curriculum design, specifically the kind that Ann and I teach, which is embodied curriculum design, which supports transformation. So that's what we're talking about today. And at the end of this brief conversation, we're going to share with you uh, the couple of opportunities coming up to dig into this work with us. But let's start as we normally do with what's in process, what's in progress. Holy cow, feels like we've, it's been a long time uh, since we've done this. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, no time has passed for you, right? <laughs> you might just be clicking along and listening. But for us, We've, we've had a little bit of a sabbatical because we have been engaged in a lot of projects and we also unfortunately lost our podcast producer and now have a new one. You know, these things happen. Um, if they're happening to you, you're not alone, right? This is just the, the ins and outs of, of owning your own business. But, Anne, do you want to start? I'm like, at first I was like,
1: holy smokes, I, hearing you say that. <laughs> I know, right? But I, I totally have something in progress and in process. So I was fortunate enough to be invited to the party um of the studio that I uh sold after I lost mm-hmm. the lease to. So <laughs> in uh at Evolve Pilates in downtown Petaluma. So I think it's I think their website is Evolve Pilates Petaluma check it nice. out everybody but i i just it just felt so good to be there it felt so good to see what i had created 20 years ago be taken into the hands of two new women mm-hmm. excited about starting the journey and they were so brave Um, because they took over the clients, they moved the studio into their home for a while while they were trying to look for a new location. you know, They really took a chance and they really believed in themselves despite Mm. not seeing a way forward because I had lost my lease after 20 years in business, which was not a fun thing to go through. Um, But they they stepped forward. They purchased the business, which was phenomenal. And I was able to coach them a bit and support them with growing their business and it was just, and like setting up and it was just beautiful. You know, a little, a little heart wrenching to be there, but you know,
0: like not too bad. Honestly, there's always a feeling of loss or sorrow or mourning. Like that's just the part of any transition. Mm -hmm. Of course. Like I walked in there and I saw this client that I had
1: used to come to my studio in like, Oh, eight. I mean, we're talking, it's 2023 right now. Like, I mean, it's been a long time, right? She's one of these women who like looks the same. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, her name is Cheryl, so giving her props. So just very wonderful, wonderful woman. But it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I had this moment. I had left my, my kids with my husband. It was on a Saturday night. I said, hey, I'm going to go down. I want to see them. I walked in. They had drinks. They had you know, tacos. And I had some and I enjoyed myself. We took a picture. I chatted with some people, made some connections, supported a woman looking for some teacher training, supported her with a local teacher. I know up here named Gwen Miller. And then I was like, and now I'm I'm going home. And I didn't have to like do anything or, and no I just, cleaning made, up. no cleaning up. And it just, there is life beyond studio ownership.
0: Yeah. And, we're brick and mortar ownership.
1: Yeah. And it, but it did also make me reflect on how much my identity was so based on this business that I had produced. And, you know, and I think it all goes back to these senses of embodiment. Like mm. the studio was embodied into my identity. It was a huge part of, of my identity and, and I've changed and my identity's changed. So it's been fun to explore the change. And, I'm so thankful to have you, Chantel, <laughs> supporting me because you made this journey about a decade before I did. And, you know, I think at a time when it was even harder to leave a studio because they were, I don't know, they're still newer and like, not that there's not sexy anymore, but they were really sexy back then.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. And moving out of a studio, a brick and mortar space that was like, even then, you know, that was 2013 when I left the studio, my second studio, my third studio, really, and decided to move into the online space. And back then, yeah, nobody was. It was really difficult to know what to do and how to do that. And I think that was a scary part. But part of now, what you and I do is we support people in moving into the online space, creating hybrid opportunities in their business to support the internal structure and operations as well as the external sales and offerings because we've done it now. I mean, we've been doing it. You and I, I think the last time we checked, we were at like almost a hundred online courses between us, which I think is pretty like, I feel proud of that. I mean, I think you and I have really tested our mettle around creating education and transformation in the online space coupled with our in-person work. So I don't want to get off track. So um, what's in process and progress for me is I am still jet lagged. And (laughs) and every day I wake up and I think I'm not jet lagged. And then I get to about 11. Now it's about 11 to 12 a.m., like 11 a.m., 12 p.m., where I'm just like completely wiped out, discombobulated. My mind is a mess, as you heard earlier today. And then uh, and I'm just reeling still from this experience that I had. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I spent two and a half weeks in the Himalayas on a motorcycle. And uh, it's just when you re- when you do something like that and you return, uh, you just there's no way to know how much of an impact that makes until it just starts to be revealed to you, like moment by moment and day after day. So I'm, um, I'm confused by that a little bit. It's disorienting, you know, because you think you have your feet on the ground and you're all good and you're ready to get back. And then all of a sudden something really intense kind of hits you. But in all of that, it's it's been about five days um, since I've been home. And one thing that I have really been sitting with, and this came uh, kind of crashing down on me yesterday with some clarity in our, one of our, two-week catalyzed calls that we had with Mm. an amazing student and teacher yesterday, who many of you know, Trinity Menti, is I feel so grateful for how intentional I have been able to be in my life for many, 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 many years. But I would say since probably my mid-twenties, I mean, I really feel like You know, if you are a person who reflects often or journals, you know, sometimes you're writing the date and you're like, holy buckets, like how is it possible that it's already Mm. August 22nd of 2023, you know? And my first thought always is time flies, you know? And I I have a good friend who says like time accelerates as you get older, which in a way feels true. But what I've really been thinking about is... When you're intentional about your life and your days and your choices and your interactions, it actually slows time down. Mm. And, it, and it has been a really interesting thing to anchor into in the last five days because transition like this particularly is not always easy. But it's I'm, I'm reassured that with intentionality, it will all be fine. (laughs) So that's what's been kind of percolating for me in the last few days. I just,
1: yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying uh, being together again with you on this podcast.
0: I know. And I'm just so grateful to be able to, you know, ease back in and also really excited about, I always feel so Deeply committed to the work that we're doing. And I'm excited about this particular topic because I do think e- our view of curriculum design is pretty narrow. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it, it, it is just what happens when a term or terminology has been uh, used or identified with one domain or a certain identity or or a type of person or goal, it's like we stop being able to see the creative impact of of the thing and how mm-hmm. flexible the thing can be. So we, we really want to talk about the missed opportunities when you don't use curriculum design. And we want to talk about some of the mistakes um, or challenges that we keep hearing, not just recently, but I feel like right? This is some of the problems that people are facing in their businesses kind of long-term. Hiring, right? Hiring qualified people, no matter what domain you're in, and maintaining them, keeping them. So how, how you know, what's the missed opportunity in leveraging curriculum design in hiring, training, keeping, motivating, sustaining, high quality team. And then one of the things that I really love, I feel like is a missed opportunity is using curriculum design to support the cohesiveness and like the culture, the internal culture and connection between your team, people you hire, your staff, but also the community of people that you serve and how powerful curriculum can be for that. And then there is uh, one more that is kind of top of mind for us which is a missed opportunity to leverage uh, em- embodied curriculum transformative curriculum design to continue to build your business in a way that is fulfilling and does not require you to just keep busting your ass and overextending and overcommitting because for, I would say probably 99% of entrepreneurs, there are always these moments, right? Where we are over, over efforting. (laughs) Yeah. So, so which of those threads do you feel like you, you want to pick up, Anne?
1: I'd love to start with the hiring and your team. I'm hearing a lot, at least within the service-based industries, uh, like, you know, yoga, Pilates, uh, mental health, um, healthcare industries that there tends to be not enough space. There tends to be waiting lists. Um, and so what that means is how can then we hire more, um, keep the people that we have and then attract new people and perhaps uplevel them to teaching at the level that you want them to, or providing a service at the level you want them to. And one thing I'd love for you all to ponder as you think about this is if you're clear on the exact role that you want your staff to have. Um, so if they're, if you're hiring some to, someone to provide the service. So if that's a Pilates instructor, you're in your, in your Pilates studio and you want to hire a Pilates instructor, like if they were like the perfect instructor for your studio, for your community of clients and for the offers that you have, And for the growth that you want to go into, what, what is that, that end game? Like, what is that perfect teacher? And then we want to encourage you to have this concept of like, well, where are they now? And so I have to bridge this gap of getting them from point A to point B Well, they're wonderful, but they really lack communication skills or they're great, but they lack X, Y, or Z technical skills. Hmm. And so it's almost like within curriculum design, there's this really big piece that we speak to about that's called either something called a result statement or a transformation statement. And I think it's important to realize that the question you want to ask yourself is what is the transformation statement that your employees or your staff need to go through to get to, where they're going to be exactly what what you want them to be. And so that, and then you can work backwards because at the end of the day, even if you're providing, providing physical services, the strength of your business is really in the knowledge that it has, right? And so you are a knowledge-based business, even if you think you're just a service-based business, right? Mm-hmm. And so how can we, I think one of the threads we can really look at and pull on is you know, how can you think about where your current staff are and where you need to get them to and what sort of education or mentorship or coaching do you want, do you need to provide your staff or bring in outside
0: people to support you so that they can get to where you want them to be? Yeah. And I just want to like be really, really, really clear. Like we're not just talking about creating an outline and delivering, you know, information, what sets our work apart is that it is deeply uh, what's deeply embedded is cultivating uh, psychological safety through the creation of whatever it is you want to be sharing. And Rooting that psychological safety into embodiment, which is much simpler than you probably think, and we've done lots of podcasts now on on ideas and ways to do that. And we have actually a really beautiful um, engagement. Um, uh, what are we calling it now? Engagement essentials. Essentials. <laughs> Thank you. We just changed the name of it, which we can drop too um, for you all. If you are, if you have not, you know. Discovered this or been following. So it's rooted in, in embodiment and psychological safety is linked to the nervous system. And so these, and then I would say the final fourth part is brain-based education and brain-based insight facilitation. And so these things are always at the heart of the way we are supporting people in crafting. The delivery of their knowledge, the delivery of their expertise, which, as Anna is talking about, can look like supporting your your incoming team. If you are a teacher in the health and wellness space, it might look like supporting the creation of a teacher training or mentorship that gets people ready to enter into work with you. And then you use the same design mechanism to support their growth. And this is incredibly powerful because people do not want to leave a, an institution or an organization or a community where they are seen and heard, they feel psychologically safe, and they are experiencing consistent growth and transformation. And so if you think that curriculum design is just for educating people, it's, it's not just that. In, in this framework, it's so much more and can be manipulated and adjusted and tweaked for so many things. And the thing I get really excited about and I have been very excited about for a while now regarding embodied and in transformational curriculum design is how it can support the internal cohesiveness of an organization. And so because we have these four kind of foundational components brain-based you know education and facilitation of insight embodiment psychological safety and and the nervous system work what it does is it puts people in a container where they can learn to trust their intuition and their wisdom their knowing in a different way Maybe for the first time, which supports clearer, more succinct, compassionate communication, collaboration. Like these are the components of a culture internally that is not divisive. It's not violent. It's not othering. It's not transitory, right? It's anchored and rooted. And even if and when people transition in and out because they do inevitably that's what happened <laughs> that's just part of it. They do so with with a greater ability to communicate their needs, to find a peaceful resolution. Like I, I get so excited about this because I feel like it's a it's a huge missing piece in our world <laughs> right now in general of like being able to trust your own experience and then to speak compassionately and openly about it, without subscribing to this idea of brutal honesty or that speaking your mind or speaking your truth has to be painful to to, to others. So, using this version of curriculum design to support the inner culture of your business, no matter what domain you are in, I think is a huge miss, missed opportunity. And I've had the chance to bring some of this work into brick and mortar businesses um and it's it's really fascinating what what it supports and what it brings up um, particularly if your team is having to ever deal with disgruntled people, which is probably every business right it, it really teaches them how to not only communicate and be in in collaboration with each other as a team, but also how to handle what is not psychologically safe, right? Often when, when people are attacking you or accusing you or just unhappy. Absolutely. Yeah. So then we have another one. We have this third piece that we wanted to, to talk about, which is how curriculum design can support you in avoiding burnout or overworking. And I was thinking about this a little bit too, in terms of how it can support you in anchoring into a, a greater place of confidence. Mm. Um, so you don't chase shiny objects, because I think a lot of times <laughs> what we do when things get sketchy, you know, whether we are losing a team member, we lose a manager, uh, we're, we lose our lease. Finances are unstable, revenue is unstable, you're making a big change, whatever it is. One of the like (laughs) fight responses is grasping at whatever you can, right, to to make it better. And often we're doing that out of alignment with our values. And we're doing it from a place of this concept that we talk about, um, like a negative urgency place right? Which just perpetuates uh, more chaos, more work, more challenge. And so from your perspective, Anne, how does embodied transformative curriculum design, this version of our work, how does it support people in avoiding burnout or chasing shiny objects?
1: Yeah. So just to define our terms, like one of the ways that you can think of embodied transformative curriculum design is this, is this ability to, to feel the discomfort of, of where you are and what's not working, and then to feel or imagine the feeling of getting the result that you desire, right? So we're not just intellectually understanding something. We're inviting ourselves to feel something, which for some people is easier than others. For some people feel safe. For some people, it's like, what, well, what are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah. Right. But we, I think many of us have heard like, oh, I intellectually understand something, but I don't feel, I don't feel the change. Like I, I don't. Mm-hmm. And so, but when we feel something, we're deeply compelled, right. We're deeply compelled to make a change. And so I think like when Chantal speaks about this concept of either chasing shiny objects, because that is something I have to work to watch out for myself. <laughs> um, and what, what was the other
0: thing you brought up? when we are not feeling safe for a variety of reasons, we're like grasping at anything that we think might work, but we're also choosing often to just work harder, right? Like do more of potentially what is not working. Like I think many of us Westerners subscribe to this idea of just work harder and it will all be fine. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, the solution, the missed opportunity is Using this very specific strategy of curriculum design to create opportunities in your business that uplift what you are already doing and actually create more security without just offering more, doing more, taking on more clients. Like it it, it's a paradigm shift. And we've seen this over and over again in our teaching community where It's very difficult for people to get past the idea that that one one primary option or solution is just do more, just do more, right? But in my mind, it's not just do more, it's do different. (laughs) You know, it's keep leveraging, like take your knowledge, your expertise and leverage it in a different way. Not just adding hours, adding hours, which is the, the product of that, is burnout, right? Feeling overwhelmed, overextended, disenfranchised, dis—you know—disinterested, like all the things that happens. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when
1: people are are unable to feel a change and they're unable to see the or feel the difference or feel safety, even when things feel unsafe around them, mm-hmm. you know, their scope narrows and they're unable to make decisions that are more creative, right. To the solution. We just sort of work harder to appease that, that, that worry.
0: Yeah. And I guess like, if I were to sum this up, it would be like using curriculum design in this way is Working smarter, not working harder. So it, it, and I think again, what happens when we are feeling frightened of the potential future or outcomes? We do our, our prefrontal cortex does shut down, right? We become <clears throat> narrow minded, literally. We see less, we hear less, we're able to take in less. We can't be creative. We can't think expansively. We don't ask for help. We're not open to change. We just keep like, this is a thing we talk about in the nervous system work, which is deeply integrated, as I've said, into the way we teach people how to design their offers is that we we are so fascinating as human creatures that we will choose to keep doing the painful thing that's getting the not result we want because it's familiar and there is comfort and familiarity. Mm-hmm. And so when you are not feeling safe, when things are not going your way, when you hit a bump in the road, the tendency is to go with the familiar, which is very often the opposite of what you should be doing. And so embracing learning, learning how to manipulate and leverage embodied and transformational curriculum design, in my mind, is is the opportunity to work smarter by doing something new instead of working harder, which might be familiar (laughs) and comfortable, but is actually keeping you held hostage to that feeling of a lack of safety. Absolutely. Yeah. I think because
1: the practice of coming up with a curriculum also gives you structure. Yes. And that structure can, it can, can really move you forward. So I think the last piece that we wanted to have a conversation about in the way that curriculum can sometimes be overlooked and not seen for its potential within your business is it can also support um, a divisive and unmotivated team culture. And so this is also (laughs) really interesting. And I think Chantal will probably lean a bit on the nervous system work for this piece is this one of the parts of embodied curriculum design is this this sense of feeling right and one of the things that we know about motivation is again if if people are not one of the things that could be most motivating for people like one of their most biologically motivating things for humans is pain right <laughs> whether that pain is physical or psychic and from what we know is a broken heart or social is Yeah. Or social our broken heart. Actually, I think apparently, you know, ignites many of the same brain areas that you have when you have like a broken leg, like it, it physically hurts you. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have to think about, you know, it's like, if, if you have some broken hearts at your studio and I'm not talking love affairs, and <laughs> but you know, like you know, people people need to. One of the things I love so much about this concept of bringing emotion into learning is that uh, there's a, a woman that we we lean into some of her work within our curriculum design, and her name is Helen Imordinar Yang, and she did some studies about emotion and learning. And it's basically this concept that like emotions are your bookshelf, and then your learning is your books, right? But mm-hmm. your emotions have to be are there. Right. (laughs) And you know, the, the, your emotions are your container for learning. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we can't just avoid emotions in the workplace. We can't just, I think a lot of times, like we say, well, just leave, leave it at the door. Don't bring it in. Mm -hmm. What you leave it at the door, you put on your, your, I'm in the studio hat or I'm in the small business hat or, or I'm in the big business hat and that's it you you can't bring those emotions in and yeah we can put on a face and and you can ask people to do that but it, there is a really important piece there that that dichotomy of just telling someone to just sh- shut it off versus planning for it having having opportunities and places in place so that if someone does have an emotion or when and if there is divisiveness within your team, it's not something that you're reacting to, but that it's something that you have support around improving.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we can design for these things. And we do exactly. Yes. And that's that's like that's the mm, like that's the thing you can chew on with the with the curriculum, the way that we are positioning it and teaching it. I think we could probably keep talking and keep talking, but we have to wrap up and I don't want to miss the opportunity to share two really exciting things coming up. So today is Tuesday, August 22nd. Whether you're listening to this now in real time on the Facebook group um, or you're listening to it later, our Embodied Course Creation Program is currently open and it's open until Sunday, which is the 27th. And we would love to invite you to inquire about this program because this, everything that we've just talked about is essentially what we will teach you to do and help you create the thing that matters most to you right now in your business, whether that's supporting your internal culture or creating some kind of hybridized offer to alleviate the the unsafe experience you might be having to supporting hiring and training qualified people in your business. And so we're going to drop the link to a Clarity Call. We have a couple of days left that we're doing these calls. And um, we'd love to tell you more about how this program works and the uh, the benefits and the things that people are getting out of it and what they're creating. It's pretty amazing. And then just put another little, you know, kind of bee in your bonnet that On September 1st, we're starting another round of our 28-day Nervous System Reset program. Uh, It's a transformation and integration program, and it runs for the month of September. We're currently enrolling people, and if you want to know about that, we'll drop the link there for you as well. That is, of course, my baby, and I am super, super, super excited about running that again I think it's the second time this year, yeah, our second and final time. We, we tend to run it once or twice a year, but, and other than that, I think that's a wrap for us. It's been really nice to be here live on Facebook with you. If you're watching in the group and really wonderful to be back recording, um, on a regular basis with you, darling. And
1: <laughs> yeah. so all right, Love. well, thank you all. And we will see you hopefully on our calendar. Yep. See you soon. Bye.